Big Jim, old man. Take it easy. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Monday, October 16th, 2017. I'm Erica Allen. Today on The Dispatch, Gabby Del Valle talks to leftists with divergent ideas about gun control. There are a lot of things that need to be taken into account besides people have guns and we need to take their guns away. Here's The Dispatch. Power. As Democrats and Republicans debate gun control in the wake of the Las Vegas shooting, some socialists and other leftists have begun rejecting the Democratic Party's stance on firearms. Outline writer Gabby Del Valle spoke with some of them about why. Gabby, thanks for being here. Hi, Erica. When we think about pro-gun citizens, we normally think about conservatives. What's making guns appealing for those people who are further on the left? So there's a lot of different things going on here. There are leftist militias and gun clubs like Redneck Revolt and the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, which use firearms and armed self-defense as another form of self-determination. And they consider defense not only defending your own body from assault or from an intruder, but community defense and educating people on how they can do this. For Redneck Revolt, a big part of this is using gun culture to reach out to white working class people who feel like they've been alienated by the mainstream democratic liberal view on guns, which is we don't like guns, guns are bad. So it's uh, trying to bring people into the fold of liberal or left politics that wouldn't necessarily feel welcome and using guns and gun culture as a way in. That's one side. Another thing is that not everyone I spoke to is pro-gun or anti-gun control, but they're opposed to the kinds of gun control that they think will disproportionately affect low-income people and people of color. They compared this form of gun control to the war on drugs, for example, and how in trying to fight this massive systemic problem, the people who live in communities where there is gun violence become victims not only of gun violence, but of policing of this violence. So the thinking is that Democrats have a, a bit of a narrow view about why we need gun restriction, right? Guns are bad, but these leftists who are pro-gun believe that they're not taking into consideration some of the underlying issues that cause violence in these communities. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people just genuinely like having guns. Some people like to go hunting. Some people like to go to shooting ranges and still recognize that in certain communities, Guns are not just about like going hunting, but also about protection, also about self-defense. And the ways that policing in cities like New York and Chicago and Washington, D.C., for example, plays out is that the people who go to jail for gun crimes are disproportionately young black men who then when they get out, there's so much in their lives has been interrupted that could have been addressed by not gun legislation, but by programs that reduce poverty by education. I spoke to Scott Hetchinger, who's a senior staff attorney at Brooklyn Defender Services, and he told me that in New York City, whenever there's a mass shooting nationwide or a specific incident in the city, judges will raise bail for every gun-related incident. So all of a sudden, there are all of these people who are in Rikers who could have otherwise been out. Historically, when we have problems, addiction, mental illness, drugs, real crime, our politicians instinctual and instinctive reaction is to try to solve those problems really cleanly and simply with harsh criminal laws. 
saw that with the war on drugs. We saw that with, again, addiction and mental illness. We saw that with guns in the, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It also stems from this idea of there's politics and there's fear. And being soft on crime is political suicide. And so what you wind up seeing is harsher criminal laws happening during election years. The problem there is that these quick fixes or common sense gun legislation, it's a lot more complicated than that. There are a lot of things that need to be taken into account besides people have guns and we need to take their guns away. And these conversations seem to really come up during enormously tragic mass shootings, but disappear from the conversation in the interim, in the time in between. Yeah, absolutely. Another person I spoke to um, they go by the name of Lana Del Raytheon. They're a writer who also worked in suicide prevention for six years. Two-thirds of all you know, gun deaths are suicides. We really, in America, we really only talk about guns after a mass shooting, which, you know, fair enough, they happen all the time, right? There's usually like one every couple of days or more. But the number of deaths from each one, thankfully, is not that high. They're just very scary. Like, they're very acute. Obviously, they're very scary in their acuteness. So while many of the leftists that you spoke to are proponents of gun ownership, not all of them agree that everyone should have a gun. Some of these people feel uncomfortable with guns. Yeah, I spoke with Joe Prince. He's a law student who lives in Washington, D.C., and he said that as a black man, he understands why other black men would want guns for self-defense, but he personally hates guns. I think guns are terrible. I don't want a gun. I never want to own a gun, but I understand why black person would feel afraid of giving up their gun just based on the history they've had. Would the police be disarmed themselves? Could we trust the government to make sure that black people are safe from, you know, threats such as like terrorism from like white nationalists? When they enforce these laws, will black youth be safe from just arbitrary punishment for gun laws? Like will they target mostly black youth? So Courtney Caldwell, she's a member of the Democratic Socialists of America in Denton, Texas, and she explained how there are a lot of regional differences when it comes to leftist gun ownership. I was actually not terribly long ago <laughs> um, pro-abolishment of the Second Amendment. And I think a lot of that is like people don't have the opportunity in places like California or in New York to go and even go to a gun range in a lot of cases and shoot a gun um, just to see what it's like or to learn how to use one in a safe environment. Uh, leftists here um, in Texas, once I got involved um, with like local communist groups and um, like the DSA, for example, I started learning more about how these types of laws and legislation that are often proposed would disproportionately affect lower income people, lower income people of color, especially. In your piece, you write a little bit about the way that gun violence breaks down lines of income inequality. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So... Although the majority of gun deaths are suicides, the remainder that aren't are more likely to occur in low-income neighborhoods, not because these places are inherently violent, but because poverty breeds violence. Plenty of studies have shown that there is a positive correlation between poverty and gun violence. Not only that, but Mark Kaplan, who is a professor at UCLA who researches gun violence, found that there is a strong correlation between high-income inequality and gun violence. So it's not just poverty, but also it's systemic poverty. So all of the people I spoke to, despite their very different views on gun ownership and gun legislation, ended up telling me that the best way to address gun violence is through programs that target poverty. You know, the question becomes, you know, like, let's look at the determinants, the causes 
for murder? You know, like who are the people who kill themselves or like who are the people who kill each other in a, you know, in a community or not? And, you know, we know that the biggest predictive factors are usually poverty. We know that the poor people are the, you know, like there is a lot higher chance of them dying through gun violence. So really programs that address poverty as a socialist, right? We know that really like so many vectors of interpersonal violence are related to our alienation due to capitalism and also just due to the tension, the allostatic load, which is, you know, like the elevated just, you know, stress levels from dealing with racism and dealing with patriarchy and other kinds of systemic oppression. So ways that can address that would be a really good start in preventing gun homicides without necessarily targeting, you know, people of color or lower income people um, and you know, putting them through the carceral state. You don't see politicians after a mass shooting talking about ways to reduce income inequality, but addressing income inequality would be a very effective way of addressing the majority of gun homicides in this country. And it would also be a really good way of addressing the root causes of the majority of suicides in this country if people had comprehensive health care and comprehensive mental health care then the suicide rate would also go down. And limiting access to guns is part of this, but it's just a part of the equation. It's not the beginning and end. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, Erica. Gabby Del Valle is a staff writer here at The Outline. That's it for The Dispatch. If you want to keep in touch with us, you can now follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Outline Dispatch. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Erica Allen. More stories tomorrow.